Welcome to The Local Authority, the podcast by LGC and FutureGov. Join us each month as we bring together leading figures from within and around local government to discuss the sector's future. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to have the latest episode delivered to your device each month and share this podcast with your colleagues. You can do so by going to lgcplus.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to the Local Authority. This is the third episode of the new podcast from Local Government Chronicle and FutureGov. I'm Nick Golding, the LGC editor. Each month, we're bringing together some of the biggest names in and around local government to discuss some of the biggest issues facing local government. The theme of the Local Authority is one of change, how councils can change their area and themselves the better. And today we're discussing levelling up, supposedly the means to improve many areas, the most deprived areas, for the better. Levelling up is, of course, beyond Brexit, the centre point of the government's programme. There is a multitude of different pots of funding available, offering apparent riches to channel money to neglected areas, and the national political will is intent on reducing inequality. But how can councils take advantage of this rare attention? And how can politicians and officers lead to level up? And how can local government use the government's levelling up agenda to tackle inequality and chart a more prosperous, healthy future for struggling places? I'm joined today by Cather Dwyer. Hi, I'm Cather Dwyer, I'm Chief Exec from St Helens Council in the North West. By Elizabeth Campbell. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Campbell. I'm the leader of Kensington and Chelsea Council and I'm the chair of Central London Forward. And by Adam Walter. Hi, my name's Adam Walter, and I'm a Principal Consultant at FutureGov. Um, Kath, can I start with you, please? Why does St Helens need levelling up? Well, St Helens is a um, a borough in Merseyside, uh, once a very highly industrialised area, uh, proud heritage of coal mining, railways, world-famous glass and chemical industries. But the decline of all of those industries has led to significant economic restructuring and resultant reduction in jobs, businesses and the legacy uh, of which we still see today. So, you know, there is a real need for us in St Helens um, around levelling up. There's been considerable positive change in more recent years, local infrastructure, housing and environment. But our economic performance pre-COVID was in the uh, bottom half of all local authorities. Productivity for the borough was 25% less than the national average. And prosperity, uh, 46% less than the national average. And those gaps reflect the the lower economic activity and employment rates. So, you know, there's a real need for us to... um, to embrace the levelling up agenda. You know, if you if you listen to government, it accepts the premise that the UK is more unbalanced uh, economy than pretty much every other developed country and that inequalities will most likely have been entrenched and deepened by the pandemic. And, and it talks about, you know, government talk about factors that define a left-behind place. I'm not sure St Helens wishes to be described as uh, a left-behind place, but... Um, probably meets that criteria, that it's a focus on large towns and cities outside of London 
uh, former industrial towns as well as coastal and rural. And St Helens ticks all of those boxes. You're the proud chief executive of a proud area. I mean, is it is it difficult to emphasise the deprivation and the lack of productivity in your place? It is. It is because we, you know, we we are a, a very passionate council. Uh, we're very passionate about our place. It, it's got a very rich heritage, um, which we're very proud of. But we we are under no illusion that you know much needs to change um, nationally for St Helens to, you know, to punch its weight and for us to give those opportunities to our residents that they quite rightly deserve. So how successful have you been as a council in accessing the government's funding pots? So, well, the fact that there are so many funding pots is part of our frustration, um, quite honestly. If we had as much time and energy to actually do the delivery as we have to put into the bidding, then life would be um, a, a lot easier, really. So we are one of the councils that has um, benefited. We're a, a Category 1 area. So the fund for us will focus on town centre high street regeneration, uh, including some remediation and repurposing of vacant and brownfield sites. Uh, it will focus on improving local transport connectivity and infrastructure, including upgrades to um, local bus, road uh, and cycle infrastructure, but also a focus on maintaining and regenerating our cultural heritage and civic assets, most of which have been, um, there has been a a lack of funding for a very long time. So we we intend to use it uh, absolutely to our advantage, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. So um, how, how much funding could you get as a borough? Uh, 25 million. We bid for 45. <laughs> uh, but what difference will that 25 make when you need 45? Well, it will, it, on its own, it's not going to make the difference that needs to be made. It's going to have to be matched with um, local government and uh, private sector investment. Um, and it's going to have to be a whole system approach uh, to change. You know, within that, there are a number of schemes that we're, you know, currently um, developing. And it will, without doubt, it will make a difference and a welcome difference. But I honestly don't think it's going to be enough to level up. It will be enough to improve. I don't believe it will be enough to level up. And is it making an impact to people's lives already? I think the prospect, the ambition, the excitement that things are going to happen and that there is an opportunity is, is you know, creating a good vibe uh, across the borough. But until residents see, you know, spades in the ground and tangible uh, physical differences, then it isn't a reality and they're not going to see the benefit. I think the other issue f- for me is that you know, within our regeneration um, uh, proposals around the high streets and the town centres and and, uh, brownfield sites and all of that, it can't just be about regen. It's got to be about inequalities and people. We have massive inequalities in our borough. You know, we are an industrial borough um, in terms of heritage, but we are significantly green, um, and we've got massive um, difference in uh, inequalities in, from one area of the borough to another. And just to focus on regen in the in the town centre is not going to address those inequalities. 
you know, the, I believe government need to support local uh, authorities in really, for once and for all, addressing some of those health inequalities and um, economic inequalities uh, that exist across across the country, but particularly, um, you know, within individual boroughs or city regions. We'll talk about that a lot more in the discussion. But can I ask, Kath, I mean, you talked about the frustration of there being so many different pots. How does that play out in, in terms of what, what difference does that make to your life and the, the attentions of the council? And you know, how could it be simplified? Well, I mean, we've got um, so many pots that we are spending an awful lot of time. And, and, and for certainly, I mean, local government has got significantly less staff in it now than it than it had 10 years ago. So all the slack um, has long gone as we've been trying to balance budgets over the last um, 10 years or more. And so all of this is being done on top of somebody's day job, and that day job is about actually delivering services to residents. So it is a massive challenge, and taking it all through the sausage machine of local government governance, um, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's distracting, but it's certainly adding to the burden. And we're feeding a government machine when actually, if, if government was serious about levelling up, they would give us the funding and let us, you know, pr progress with local determination about what the need is and how best to meet that need. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's the relationship at the moment. We're bidding and then we're submitting business cases, and those business cases are either getting approved or not. And all that time we're feeding a beast with a need for a board and a need for, um, you know, a, a, an infrastructure in terms of governance, which I get, you know, there needs to be um, robust governance um, across local government, particularly around, um, you know, financial um, investments and, and, and that sort of stuff. But... Lots of little pots, lots of bids, lots of boards, lots of governance. I'm sure that could be streamlined in a way that actually better supported local government to deliver against local need. Um, can I turn now to you, Elizabeth, please? Um, so Kensington, Chelsea, it's a borough which is predominantly renowned for its wealth rather than its poverty. I mean, what, what does levelling up mean within your borough? First of all, I'd like to just comment, uh, you know, as leader of Kensington and Chelsea, obviously we're an outlier. But if you take uh, Kensington and Chelsea as part of Central London Forward, which is the uh, conglomeration of the 12 Central London boroughs in London, we have huge diversity within each borough and within Central London. So where we're really coming from is that um, like Kath, we absolutely support the, the government's levelling up agenda. Uh, but I'd like to dwell on what he said, that it's a win-win situation because our economy in central London is intrinsically sort of cemented in to the rest of the, rest of, um, the UK to the extent that, you know, we're a shop front for goods, that um, we're a global city, so when people come and visit us then they go on elsewhere... Uh, that we have creative industries, we have digital clusters. So really supporting central London does support the rest of the country and, and we're really happy to do that. But to go back to the, the, the point of uh, regional disparity, you know, ahead of the pandemic, it's fair to say that London had the highest levels of poverty and child poverty 
of any region in the UK. Um, and we've been hit hardest, frankly, by the pandemic. We've got a plan for growth, targeted on place, people and resources. But we've seen the most jobs lost, the most jobs furloughed, and the highest increase in unemployment of any region. So we absolutely agree entirely with the whole levelling up thing. We'd like to support everyone else. You know, we are the capital city of this country. So, of course, we want to be part of it. Um, But equally, we probably need a bit of help ourselves um, because it's also about levelling up within regions rather than just between regions. Um, Central London has some of the richest individuals and the richest firms um, in, in in the country and in, indeed the world. But at the same time, yes, you're right, there, there, there certainly is the, that, that, that level of poverty and inequality. Some might say that London should be dealing this with this itself, with the richest people there having the um, ability to do it. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Um, you could say that, but equally, you know, uh, for every, every pound cent, spent in London, you know, uh, it generates 24% P of production elsewhere in, in the UK. So I, I think you can't just take London as one piece of the jigsaw out and expect everything else to continue uh, perfectly well. We, we're completely bound into everything else. Um, probably, so if you take the central London authorities, 12, seven are amongst the most deprived 20% nationally. And the entrenched problems we've had have been exacerbated over the last 12 months. But yes, you're right in, in some ways. I think we probably share with people around the country a lot of the things that we'd like government to do, which is things like rebalancing business rates so we can help our, our high streets, enabling local authorities to be placemakers for high street renewal. I'm sure that we share that with everyone else in the country, uh, promoting green growth. So I think we have more in common than divides us. And as I said, we want to contribute to the levelling up agenda across the UK, but we also have our own uh, problems within our region as well. And how easy is it for central London to apply for the funding pots that we've talked about already? And what, what money could be available to central London to solve the, the problems you're talking about? So our problem at the moment in central London is complete lack of footfall. You know, we're quite dependent on the international tourist trade. We're in um, uh, people coming in and out of offices, etc. That's really, really fallen like stone. So whereas other regions have bounced back, we're still yet to see that, see that, see that bounce. With regard to bid, making bids and things, very few London authorities have been successful in winning in of anything. Um, and at the moment, what we're doing as Central London Forward moment is looking for, to uh, put forward a paper of looking at what we think are the most important infrastructures, stri- infrastructure projects, whether that's, you know, Crossrail 2 or other tube lines and things, or whether it's sort of digital infrastructure, which will help us get back on our feet again. Is it easy to get much traction with the governments when so much of the political attention um, is looking to, towards places in the North and the Midlands? Well, I think that's exactly what we're, we're trying to do um, in Central London Forward. We're, we're cross-party, so three Conservative boroughs, nine Labour boroughs. Um, we, still, we speak for Central London as a, as a whole. 
Is it difficult to get traction? Well, we're going to spend the next few months, we spent the last few months and the next few months trying to get that traction. Um, and I'd just like to come back again to what the Prime Minister actually said when he said, levelling up can only be achieved with a strong and dynamic wealth-creating economy. Uh, and we're part of that. So it, we want to get London back on its feet so it can help contribute to the rest of the economy because, as I said, it's not a zero-sum game. I think we're in this together. So when we're looking at these um, huge inequalities, wealth disparities within London, um, what sh- what should be the um, the responsibilities of the boroughs of of London as a whole, and what should be the role of the government? How can they all work together? I suppose that they have you know to go back a bit to what Kath was saying. We don't, as borough councils, we don't have a huge amount of. Um, power to raise taxes more or to keep much more of our business rates. So I can say for Kensington and Chelsea, the majority of our business rates, we we raise more in business rates in Manchester, but most of it does not touch the the sides here. Uh, And again, we're okay with that, right? We're all part of the same country. Um, For us in Kensington and Chelsea, I suppose the inequalities thing would be really trying to ensure that all our schools are good or outstanding, which they are, that the children who have free school meals do the best uh, than they do better here than any other place in the country. So it's about opportunities. It's about jobs. Uh, so many jobs have gone in this in pandemic and it's about reskilling people and making sure that they can have the opportunities to take those jobs up, which I think is the same everywhere else in the country. You know, uh, in central London, we had pre-pandemic, you know, 3.5 million jobs. But as I said, we're suffering the highest unemployment, the highest number on furlough, um, and the highest um, job lost. So that is something that we've really got to look at. And and frankly, if you're living in a deprived area, it doesn't matter if you're in St. Helens or you're in um, central London, you still need the same things to try and get yourself going. You need your opportunities. You need opportunities to reskill. Um, we'd like to ensure that London receives its fair share of the UK Prosperity Fund, which is replacing EU employment skills funding post-Brexit. We want to ask government to reform the apprenticeship levy to allow, uh, allow employers greater flexibility. Um, And actually, we'd really like the government to devolve employment and skills support to local government. Because again, to go back to what Kath was saying, we think we can deliver high quality support, which um, meets the needs of local employers and local communities, because we know our communities very well. Um, And finally, finally, this stage, Elizabeth, um, do you think that London's, um, you've obviously mentioned that London's been particularly hit by the pandemic, but... Is, does it have within within itself the power to bounce back up again, which could take it back above some of the other places with which, in effect, you're competing for funding? I don't think we're, we're necessarily competing for funding at the moment. What we're asking is that the government helps us bounce back um, by doing things like rebalancing business rates so that we can get our high streets um, going again. Because the West End has been you know, the footfall is down to about 20%, it has been. Um, it, we, we, we're not saying that we need London to bounce back better than it was before, but it definitely needs to bounce back so it can continue to contribute to the levelling up across across the country. 
the whole thing with the um, uh, with planning and um, we we really feel that we need to be local authorities who can help shape the place so that we can get people back, we can get footfall back. We, we at the moment there's a sort of great dearth of commuters. There's a, as I said, a huge dearth of any international travel. Uh, our businesses are suffering hugely at the moment. Um, can I turn to you, Adam, please? So can, can I ask you to start off with, I mean, what is the role of Future Gov in levelling up and how are you on the front line on this? Um, hi, Nick. Um, one of our key roles at the moment is to, uh, as part of the um, Towns Fund Delivery Partner. So we are working with 101 towns and Catherine St. Helens being one of them um, at a national level. So they're £3.6 billion pounds for 101 towns and, as Kath said, around £25 million per town, although many have uh, asked for more. And that's one of the cornerstones of our pieces of work. We're also working with MHCLG on funding pots. So I totally empathise with Kath's, Kath's point around aligning pots. Like Post-Brexit, we're taking a lot of funding pots uh, from the EU. And so there's a large piece of work that we need to do as a country, and MHCLG is leading on, in understanding what that experience is like for uh, for local authorities. And I think we know, and we're unpicking more and more, that it's not great. And I think that has a knock-on effect on policy ideals like levelling up. Um, so we're working with MHGLG on that. And then probably lastly, Future Governors always worked with local government sort of it's our it's our sort of it's our core it's where uh, much of our work has always stemmed from and we do a huge amount of user research and, and service design but more recently um, have been working on very hyper local challenges around climate running climate assemblies and rethinking deliberative democracy so there's a lot we're doing around leveling up at different levels um, but personally I've been a town coordinator for the last 18 months I have 10 towns who I've been working with uh, specifically in the Midlands and east of England um, and have had a real insight into the challenges that these different shaped towns uh, have had um, and will continue to have. That obviously gives you a very good perspective to sort of, well, see 10 different examples. So can, can you talk about some of the challenges that different places have and how, 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 how these places differ in aspiration, in poverty levels and in terms of what they're after? So I think, I mean, most of the 101 towns are uh, more deprived. I think we're all aware that some of the decisions around the 101 was slightly politically driven, but it, it's undoubtedly true that um, these are towns in need of funding um, significantly. I think I completely uh, appreciate um, Kath's point around the, the extreme levels of governance needed. But I do feel that the way the pot was designed was really to try and bring out the unique aspects of each town. So I know St. St. Helens focusing on uh, on on specific areas for their place, but also in the Midlands and East, um, you've got, for example, um, Lowestoft and Great Yarmouth, who who have not just seen the town's fund as being there to do capital infrastructure but also have used the funding and different funding pots to, to more recently do a joint bid for City of Culture. And so what's nice in that example is that you're, we're moving the conversation a little bit more from just having um, sort of physical infrastructure to social infrastructure. 
and trying to create a bit more of a circular economy in that space. Probably also worth saying is that it really ranges. I think what the town's funders also expose is that some towns are really well equipped, have really good region and planning teams, and some really, really don't. And actually having to write these bids requires a huge amount of resource and capability. And I think if levelling up is to have more meaning and longer term impact, we really need to reinvest in, in planning and region departments, especially in the smaller districts and some of our, our areas, because I, I can still see there's going to be a real challenge in executing. They might have the money, but actually delivering these projects and these outcomes will continue to be very difficult for a good number of these towns. So how could the process be made less onerous? I mean, obviously part of that is improving the, the skill sets on in those places themselves. But what what is what could councils do themselves and what could the government do to, to, to make the whole thing less painful? Well, I think us here, most listeners, will be strong advocates for greater localism. I think um, that, that argument we've had as long as I've worked in local government and longer, um, I think greater... Um, like tax raising powers locally makes a massive, massive difference. We're extremely centralised. That is fundamental. I think the second thing central government could do is to move from uh, physical to social infrastructure. So the town's fund requires that 95% of the town's fund is capital and only 5% can be revenue. Now, if, like Boris Johnson, you're investing in football pitches, say, recently in the in the speech, it's great to have a new football pitch, but you could argue that the levelling up outcomes of having community groups or coaches has a much greater impact on mental and physical health than simply the physical infrastructure. Locally, I think, uh, having worked with a number of towns, I think the, the best towns are the bravest. I think it can be quite difficult to uh, measure return on, on investment. And I think it takes a bit of a leap of faith to have a, I guess, total return on investment, where you're not just looking at what you've built or maybe the jobs you've created, but what the knock-on effects might be at a place level. So one one of the towns is trying to refurbish a theatre. Now, that does not wash its face ever. You will never get income back from uh, from cultural institutions like this one. And But the hope is that the knock-on effect on the nighttime economy and what that brings, brings uh, with it greater growth and opportunity with it. The last thing I would say is that I've been surprised, if I'm honest, how little towns are networked. You've got LEPs, but um, we've set up groups based on themes, either your coastal or areas, so your university town or regions. And for many towns, it's the first time they've talked to someone even who's down the road. And so I would say much more effort on on working together. I, I know there's a sense of rivalry with all these pots, but much more closer working together, um, I think, would would greatly benefit the country as a whole. And I was quite keen, I'm very keen to explore this idea of moving towards social investments. Now, are you saying that's actually happening within how councils are using the existing pots? Because obviously we don't want to have a situation whereby um, all these fine capital investments just just gather dust and decline because councils can't afford to keep them going? Well, I think it's at two levels. I think central government 
need to give more revenue funding or allow local areas to keep more revenue. That's one thing. And then local areas, I think, we'll wait for that for a long time, I think. So in the meantime, I think there's something around how you measure your return on investment. This is difficult. I think there's a structural issue here as well around needing consultancies to do a lot of this technical work where you want to try and retain it within the system, importantly. But I think being at what gets measured gets done to an extent. And so I think trying to draw a link between the theatre you're refurbishing or the or the sick form centre you're building and that impact that it has on jobs and therefore on mental and physical health and on wider outcomes, particularly community cohesion, is difficult but possible. And if you do not make that case, you'll always just focus back on the building. And, and there is an opportunity in some areas where we need to think a bit more longer term, possibly, and be a little braver and actually build a little bit more, more skills around return on investment more practically. But it is hard. Um, Kath, can I just turn back to you? There's been a lot of criticism of levelling up the SITs predominantly focusing on transport projects. And that does there need to be far more of that focus on um, you know, social issues? I, th- I think one of the opportunities that has the potential to be missed, really, is the work of local authorities in terms of culture and leisure. So, you know, as, as Adam was saying, really, services like libraries, leisure centres, parks, sports, museums, theatres, all of that, have an enormous impact on um, residents' sense of belonging to place. Uh, Key drivers around footfall and spending, you know, promotes physical, mental uh, well-being, educational outcomes, connects communities, all of that sort of thing. And I think there's, you know, we're only going to be able to level up if there are efforts to also address those social and health inequalities um, that are key issues in in local places and if if covid has taught us nothing else it has taught us that local leadership and devolved powers to localities is the way to address um you know issues of concern and um and that's how you know we we've seen it through the pandemic stuff was delivered far more effectively in local places than it was from whitehall and we need to learn that lesson as part of the levelling up agenda and devolve those powers to local places to do what they know. We, You know, as local authorities, we know our place. We've got ambition for our place. We know the partnerships. You know, we've got relationships with private in, uh, sector investors. It, it is the, the devolution of the power to be able to, to level up. But I think the other bit for me is key is that I mean, I've been in local government far too many years um, to recall now. And systematically over that time, we have had to disinvest on in prevention and early intervention in order to balance budget. And we all know that's the, not the right thing to do. But in order to set a balanced budget, what, you know, our statutory responsibilities, um, you know, become priority. And I think if we're really serious about levelling up, we, we need to encourage central government investment in that prevention and early intervention agenda 
in a way that local government can't do within its existing resources because of austerity and, and inc increasing demand for statutory services, because that's got to be part of our levelling up agenda in terms of addressing social uh, and health inequalities. And there is far much more to do, far much more to do. Having a, a regenerated place is great and, and will, will support and help our communities. Having an emphasis on skills and jobs and better paid employment um, in, in some areas will absolutely enhance our communities. But actually tackling those root inequality issues is about intervention, early intervention and, and prevention. And, and Regen isn't going to do that. And Elizabeth, can I put the same point to you and just also ask you, mate, is there a tension between austerity and long-lasting levelling up? Yeah, I'd just like to come back to also to what Adam was saying about, you know, about how important it was to have things like theatres and, and then you get an ecosystem. And just to make the point that that's what's really hit us hard in London over the last year and a half, because it is a complete ecosystem. People come here, they'll come to the theatre, they'll go to a nightclub, they'll go shopping. We don't have any of that footfall. You know, hopefully it will come back, but we just need support in getting over the hump because, as I was saying before, you know, we, certainly even in central London, we're responsible for sort of 11% of the whole country's um, GVA. So, so we probably need a little bit of help just to get back to uh, producing the growth which will, will help us and, and the rest of the country. If austerity continues and the public finances are going to be tight, and does that mean that, that there's a danger that all, all this comes to nothing because we're just left with a few shiny things, that, but we can't afford to carry on running them? I, I do think that the government does have to look at the whole of um, local government financing and, and business rates. Um, and I know it's complicated, but at the moment, business rates are completely crucifying our high streets. And if we want to get back to growth and we want to have money in which to put into local services, then we've got to have the economy running again and we've got to go for growth. So I think that's incredibly important. And also we need to be thinking about green growth, don't we? About, you know, large scale insulation and retrofitting uh, opportunities. And probably more actually opportunities for uh, councils in the north and in the northwest and northeast to have sort of manufacturing or things like that. But for us as a big city in London, we really need help thinking about how we're going to skill up people to, to do much of this stuff. Adam, do you, do you notice in the councils that you've worked with, I mean, has that issue of green growth loomed large? Not large enough, I would say. It's a requirement of the town's fund, and I think there are certainly some towns we're working with around climate assemblies particularly, but it hasn't. And I think uh, post-Brexit and uh, COVID uh, has maybe put us on a slightly more emergency footing. But I think, I think it's critical because this sort of emergency footing is what we need to be on more permanently going forward. I think local government as institutions need to think about how they become much more nimble and reactive like we will get more flash flooding there'll be more heat waves there will have coastal erosion these things are now going to become very real and i think 
the longer term leveling up is to make sure that those communities most affected by global heating do have the support both infrastructurally but also at a community level because again it's communities that are going to pull people back out i'd also like to build on the point elizabeth made earlier around devolving employment and skills support i think this is also really really critical and i think absolutely right we so a few years ago we helped develop public practice which is i guess like teach first for planning tries to bring planning and regeneration together and it's a really good scheme and i think something that can be built on and more recently uh we i guess as future are working with a number of partners including the lgiu and new local to try and design something which which really builds place leadership both from a leadership level but also through employment because we've I think what what we've learned in the last 12 to 18 months is that there is a real gap in place leadership and it's complex. But it's, I think with Brexit, COVID and the incoming climate emergency, I think we, we will need place leaders who are able to, as both Kath and Elizabeth have said, navigate these really, really difficult headwinds we're facing, be it the complete collapse of high streets to, to like how to regenerate an area. I, I just want to turn to that point of de- about devolution, and I'll come to you first, Elizabeth. In the, Boris Johnson's recent levelling up speech, a lot of the focus was on devolution to county areas. Do you think the wind is also blowing in the right direction for more devolution to, to London, both at London-wide level and towards the boroughs? Is, is, and is that really something that's essential to make a success of this? Uh, I think so. Um, you know... Again, we share his view that, the, you know, that in quotes, there's got to be a catalytic role for government, but it has to come down to the grassroots level because, as, as Kath said, we know our communities better than anyone else. And, and I think especially for jobs and especially for knowing what will, you know, attract people in or, or placemaking or knowing what your market is, it really needs to be done at the local level. It's it's just not good enough to have everything so high up that you make a bid for something which comes down, which comes with so many strings attached that it's difficult to do. And, and if you think about London, all the planning reforms at the moment would be very difficult for London. They work perfectly well. Um, and I can absolutely see it if you've got a high street and you need to change your shops into housing because that's what you need. But in a borough like mine, we wouldn't have any shops left. <laughs> you, you can't just have uh, a, really, a, a broad brushstroke thing for the whole of the UK. You have to recognise that some areas are different and therefore that means that you have to have devolved uh, uh, de- things which are devolved and, and respect that you know, what, what works in, um, in the countryside or a seaside town doesn't necessarily work in, say, like a bar of mine in central London. And is, is the government receptive to the argument that central London needs devolution when there are so few Conservative MPs in central London? Well, we got our mayor. Um, our, not, oh, I say our mayor. London has a mayor. Um, and we um, also have London councils, which is the council of all London leaders. And probably I would say that we would want the powers devolved down to councils rather than sort of money sticking at at the mayoral assembly level. But I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, And Kath, can you see more devolution for the North West and Liverpool City region? 
I think there will be more devolution for the northwest. I mean, Liverpool City Region is a combined authority uh, with a metro mayor. Um, we're certainly looking at, you know, um, further opportunities for devolved powers and responsibilities. Um, but I'd, in some respects, I would agree uh, with Elizabeth that there is also a place for great devolution to individual councils. Um, so, so what powers do you want? I think we, I think we want the power to determine uh, local need, and and to work with our lo- partners locally and our residents locally um, to identify solutions and have the freedom and the resource to be able to, you know, um, address those uh, shortcomings, really, uh, and and progress the the development of the borough within within the context of the city region. So an example, you know, St Helens has been really um, lucky, I'm not sure that's quite the right word, uh, around the the town deal fund. Uh, And as part of that, we've, um, part of our um, submission is about a project which is a flagship development um, called Glass Futures, which is linked to the green agenda, creating glass manufacturing uh, pilot, which removes CO2 from the manufacturing process. So St Helens heritage is glass making. So it's absolutely, you know, perfect, really, um, that we've been able to encourage glass futures development within the borough. But that also forms part of our city region offer. That's bigger and wider than just St Helens. Likewise, you know, the Freeport agenda is part of the levelling up agenda. Liverpool City Region has a proposal in for Freeport, of which St Helens has uh, one of the three um, tax sites, which is 60% of the um, of the offer um, for City Region. And that will not just bring jobs, it will bring skills, it will bring infrastructure, it will bring, you know, a whole opportunity to the city region, but but to St Helens specifically. So working as a city region works for us, but we also want local determination on the things that really matter to our local communities. We're, we're right at the end of the session now. So I, I just want to ask you one final question each, for which your answer can only be 15 seconds. Um, but um, I'll start with you, you Adam. So my, my question is, can levelling up really fundamentally bring about a change in the fairness in this country? So I think you'll have to, sorry, you have to pick your own definition. So uh, so my definition is, can the towns fund one of the, like, and can, and can these kind of funding pool pots make a significant difference in those towns? And the answer is yes. Is it sufficient? Will it level up to get to a national median? No. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the that's the short answer. But the problem is, is the definition of levelling up is so difficult. But yes, small incisions are always useful, but it's not a systemic change. And and uh, a similar question to you, Elizabeth, can, can levelling up be a real opportunity for the, the centre of London? I'll allow you 30 seconds. Uh, yes, I think it can, because... Um, as I said before, for us, what we want to say is not just levelling up between regions, it's within regions. Um, and <laughs> as I said, we had the highest levels of poverty and child poverty of any region of the UK before the pandemic. So we welcome levelling up too. 
But we also just need a bit of help probably at the moment to get over this bump so that we can carry on contributing because we're a great growth area uh, and we wish to contribute to the, the levelling up agenda across the whole of the UK. And Kath, can it make a real difference in St Helens and Liverpool City region? I think it can begin to make a real difference to St Helens and City region. But I think what we need to make to truly level up is a long-term policy direction that is co-designed, that empowers places to develop their own way forward and utilise sort of public sector funding to enable private sector inv um, investment. And I also think local government needs to be funded to do the job that we're asking, being asked to do, that we are the place shaper, but we need capacity and capability to do that. And we need to be able to invest in, in our people as well as our place if we are truly going to level up. And it has to be as much about the social determinants and um, health inequalities as it is about infrastructure and capital. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of The Local Authority. Thank you to my guests, it's Cathy Dwyer, Elizabeth Campbell and Adam Walther. Thank you all very much and The Local Authority will be back next month. LGC is the leading title for senior local government officers and the authoritative voice of the sector. To subscribe to LGC for full online and print access, go to lgcplus.com. FutureGov is a change agency on a mission to build 21st century public sector institutions which are catalysts for change in the internet and climate era to radically improve outcomes for communities. For more information, go to wearefuturegov.com. We'll be back next month with another episode of The Local Authority. Thanks for listening. <laughs>